Welcome to the podcast of Encounter Ministries, where your past has no future and your hope is reborn. For more information, go to www.godenc.com. You've heard bits and pieces about what I believe that God has put on our hearts as, as the pastors of this church. But I, I want to I take some time this morning and just maybe 20 minutes or so and, and share it with you in its entirety if I can. Uh, I'm using my scripture this morning found in Habakkuk chapter number 2. How many can say Habakkuk? Almost sounds like you're swearing, doesn't it? Habakkuk 2, 1-3 says this. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved or tested. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I, I just come to you now and I'm, I'm doing my best to share what I, I believe you have put on my heart to do. God, all, all, all week as I have struggled with this, uh, you know the conversations that we've had. God, there's people that come into the building and they're going to be struggling and they're going to be hurting and and I, I need a word for them to to minister to their needs. But yet, you reminded me, God, that your word, no matter what it is, it just it changes the spiritual atmosphere of those that hear it and receive it. And so I'm claiming that promise here today, God. And I thank you, Father, for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, my wife and I were blessed to come here two and a half years ago. We told you that our model of ministry is pretty simple. Number one, I want to go to heaven. That may seem silly. That may seem simple and trite. But I want to tell you something. I, uh, my wife and I have now more than a quarter of a century been in ministry. And, and uh, I, we've not always seen ministers who had that ideal. Can I just be honest with you? That hasn't been at the forefront of their mind. There are times that, that, that I have been kept from sin because I want to go to heaven. There are times that I haven't done certain things that my flesh wanted to do because one of my core values is I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven more than I want this. Is making sense to anybody? And so this, this is one of the driving forces of, of the decisions we make on a day-by-day basis. When you hand the $10 to the girl at McDonald's and she gives you change back for a 20. You stop her and you say, no, you gave me too much change. Why? Because I want to go to heaven. When, when you're tempted with an opportunity to, to indulge yourself in sin, you say, no, why? Because I want to go to heaven. I know that not doing these things does not... Keep, does not get me a place into heaven, but I know that, that sin drives a wedge between me and my God. And some people want to see how close to the line they can get, and I want to see how far away from the line I can get. And so one of our, my core values as a man, as a minister, is I want to go to heaven. And having followed pastors down through the years, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm struck with the decisions that they've made and, and, and sometimes burdened with the decisions that they've made. And, and I wonder, did they even ever think about, I want to go to heaven? Because if you want to go to heaven, you don't lie like that. Is this too straight? If you want to go to heaven, you don't think like that. If you want to go to heaven, you don't do those things. You see, when I want to go to heaven, I don't have a problem saying, forgive me, I'm wrong. Our second value, my wife's and I's second value is, we want to take as many people with us as we can. 
You see, in our hearts, it's not enough that we get to go to heaven. I want people to go to heaven too. And I just have this, this strange idea that, that God has called us and somehow he looked at her and I and said, I can use those people. Uh, I kiddingly tell people I've been inspiring to so many because they say, well, if he can do it, surely God can use me. And, but, but, but that's two of our core values. I want to go to heaven and I want to take as many people with me as I can. And, 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 and we try to make decisions based on those two things. Who are we? Who are we as a church? We, we approach who we are as a church, and I'm sharing with you what God has put in my heart, and that's this, that, that the way I see it, the way that the church, that church is done, the way the church is in America is, 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 is violently broken. We, we do more things wrong than we do right. And the greatest thing that we do wrong is we're hypocrites. We say one thing with our lips when it's not what's in our heart. And I believe the greatest work, Ryan talked about it this morning in prayer meeting, the greatest work we can do is first to consecrate here. To get our hearts right with God. I didn't say perfect because if we got to wait till we're perfect, then I'm not ready yet. But to get to the place where you're in right standing, you can look God in the face and be okay. When he gazes in your face, you know, I said that to somebody and they said, well, you know, Pastor, the Bible says that no man can look in God's face and live. And I said, that's absolutely true. And thank God he's killed the old me. Thank God the old me is gone. And, and a lot of the attitudes and opinions of the old me are gone and he's killed him. And he's killed that man and he's killed it because as I look in his face, there's parts of me that just die away. And there's parts of me that come alive. And everything that I was and everything that I had been shaped into being by the words of people in my life, some of them were destructive and he kills those things. And what comes to life is what he wanted me to be all along, what he wants you to be all along. And so I think that one of the things we do wrong in Christianity is we, 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 we got to get away from being a hypocrite about so much, about doing one thing but saying another. And I I believe with all of my heart that God has an incredible work for this body of believers in reaching Streetsboro, Ohio, this part of the state, this nation, and the world. And I'll tell you how we came by that. Not only the continuing revelations, but years ago, as an 18-year-old young man, God spoke a vision, a prophecy into my wife's life and into mine. We were six years from meeting, but you know what? God had planned all along this connection. So anything that God did in her was being done in me. Anything that God was speaking to me was speaking to her as well because he knew that one day two shall become one. Are you with me on this? Not only did when we get married did she bring into the marriage everything that she is, but I brought into the marriage everything that I am. So every word she had received, I got, the, I got the benefit of. Every word that I received, she got the benefit of. Because that was all part of God's plan. 18 years old, I'm sitting in the driveway of a young lady that I was dating. And I was waiting for her to come out so we could go on our date. And I was very impatient. There's nobody in this room could ever looked at me and saw a preacher. And I'll just leave it at that, okay? If you can imagine, that's me. And, and... Uh, I was impatient. I had a bad habit of pulling in the driveway, beeping the horn. You got two minutes, you don't come out. Baby, there's somebody else. And this mom knew that I was like that because I had left her there before. And so her mom kind of coming out to slow slow me down, came out to engage me. But in that conversation, in a few moments, she said, Mike, I got to tell you something. This is a lady who had a real heart for God. And she said, I... I've been praying for you, and here's what God showed me. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, jeez. Lady, you're wet. 
She says, here's what God showed me. He showed me that he's going to get you and he's going to, you're going to get saved. And then he's going to call you into the ministry. And, and God's going to place you. And when I say you, here's the you. He's going to place you in several churches. And everywhere you go, you're going to struggle, but you're going to learn things. And God's going to teach you. But in the latter part of your ministry, God's going to put you someplace. And in that place, in his time, something incredible is going to happen. And you're going to see that place grow to several thousand people, but its impact is going to be more than that place because they're going to come from around the country and around the world to find out what God did there so they can take that back to where they're at. And she's looking at a guy who, I've got ACDC blasting on the radio as she's talking to me. I've got hair down to my shoulders. I could embarrass a sailor with my language. And yet here we are. And just like God said, we've been from one place to another and everywhere we were at. We went to the, one of the hardest churches you could ever pastor as our first church. They had gone through 21 pastors in 22 years. Of the 21 pastors, 20 of them quit the ministry while pastoring that church. Only one couple ever got out of there still in the ministry. And God dumps us there. You don't have to be a mathematician to figure out 21 pastors in 22 years. They didn't stay long. We were there for nine years. Five and a half, six years into it, we wanted out. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was tough. Every service started like a funeral home. When we first started, there was nobody in the building. It was just she and I. We thought it was a church of 70 people. That's what we were told it was. We showed up for service, and guess what? There's nobody. They hadn't had service for four and a half months. Then Hilliard, Ohio, they didn't call it the Hilliard Church of God. They called it the Hellyard Church of God. We couldn't get anybody to come back for church. God bless her and her faithfulness. Sunday after Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, we held service. There's nobody in the building but she and I and the baby. And she led worship like the house was full. I got up and preached like the place was full. We just, just trusted God. And God showed us things and we had breakthroughs. we learned we know now that we are in the place that was told us when I was 18 years old we know this is that place we know this is that season we know that right now we are exactly where God would have us to be and nothing is going to change our mind about that we know this is God's purpose for us Amen. And we know that God has something that has been resonating in his heart to do that has nothing to do with us except our role. Yours, my role, is to believe him. For the vision is set for an appointed time. Wait for it. Don't go make it happen. Wait for it. You see, the moment you make the vision happen, it's no longer his vision, it's your vision. So you wait for it. You can complain about waiting, but you wait for it. You can whine about having to pray, but you pray for it. You don't go out and make it happen. You wait for it. There's a lot of faith involved in trusting God and in waiting on God. Wait on the Lord. When you wait on the Lord, you renew your strength. When you're still, then you know that He is God. So God has a vision and a plan. And I'll be honest with you, we, we came that close because of my ignorance and missing it.
because we were, we hadn't yet finished our, before we came here, we hadn't yet finished our first year at a church where we were pastoring. And we had just overcome a major hurdle. We were pastoring a church that was more than a quarter of a million dollar in debt. And they didn't know they had any debt. And to break the news to the congregation, I'm sorry. But the man who preceded me, I know he told you many, many times you had no debt. You have more than a quarter of a million dollar mortgage that he took out and used for his own purposes. And they were sure I was lying and they were sure I made it up. And so we had just gotten over that hurdle and it was settled and we were okay. And I was on the phone with the overseer talking about uh, a situation at a church that we used to pastor years ago. And as I'm getting off the phone with him, he said, listen, I've got a situation in Streetsboro, Ohio, that the church is going to be opening up. That pastor is moving on. And I, I really think that you and Gail Beth would be a great fit for that. And I said, not interested. No, thank you. Absolutely not. That's pretty clear. We get off the phone. It's so not God, I don't even mention it to her. A couple days later, I get an email from him, you know, kind of about another matter. And, And in the end of that email, he says this. And I know you're praying about the situation in Streetsboro. And those of you that know me, I'm, I'm, I'm not unflappable, but man, you got to get up early and stay up late to get me upset. Okay? And that really upset me. I read that and thought, I could not have made it more clear. I said, absolutely not. So I went into the kitchen and I'm, I'm kind of worked up at her. And I said, you know what he said? And she said, why does that bother you? I said, because now I've got to write them back and I've got to say again, what part of absolutely not do you not understand? And she goes, well, I've got a question for you. And I said, okay. She goes, did you pray about this? She says, you pray about everything else. Why didn't you pray about this? I love my wife, but sometimes it's hard when she's right. I don't know how else to put it. Adam, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Okay? When, and still being a little bit of a smart aleck, I said, okay, you're right. I'll pray about it, and then I'll tell him no. And I stomped off. And I did pray about it. And all of a sudden, I realized I'm in trouble here. Because I'm starting to sense the Holy Spirit kind of going. So now it makes it even worse because now I got to, if I wait till she's busy in the kitchen, I go, you know what? We both should be praying about this. And we're here. Who are we? I don't, I don't want us. You know what? The, the greatest greatest gift. How many want to know the greatest gift you can give God? You want to know the greatest gift you can give God? Be who he's made you to be. There is nobody in the world like Mindy. Nobody. And if Mindy wants to bless God, and I think she does, then she needs to be the Mindy God designed her to be. That make sense? He doesn't want her to be like her or like her. He he wants her to be, wow. My Mindy Clark, that's wow. That's who we, that's the greatest gift we can give God is give him who we're supposed to be, what he designed us to be. Give him that. And so we, we, we don't need to look across the street or, or to any other church to see who are we supposed to be. We got to allow God to make us into who he designed us to be as a church. And I've said this before, and I know people laugh at me, but I I feel like one of the things I want to do when I get to heaven, when I walk up to God, is I want to apologize to him. Because he's such an extravagant God. 
And he is so multifaceted and he's so incredible in his creation. Let me know what I'm talking about. I mean, he's just incredible. And yet, and yet, we as people have the audacity to say, you can do this in this place at this time on Sunday the way we like it. And so God can only, and I, I, I understand emotions. We get so silly sometimes, we think if we stand in that spot, we'll get what God has. Well, the glory's coming out right here. Seriously, folks? Serious? And, and I want to tell, in fact, I want to get to heaven and not have to tell God I'm sorry. That we boxed him in so much. So who's he called us to be? He's called us to be a people who represent a God who is much bigger than what he can possibly do in these altars on Sunday morning between 12 and 1 o'clock. Amen? He's bigger than that. That, that he, can, he can save people out there and he can heal people in Walmart and he can touch people at Strings and Wings when we go there. If you were there at the last Strings and Wings, I understand the crowd was down, but the reality is the Spirit of God was in that place. You could sense it. And so what's funny is there were some Christians who won't go there, but God was okay being there. I want to go wherever He's okay being. Amen? What kind of a people are we? We're a people who are big enough to allow people who aren't yet saved still be in our presence without looking down our nose at them. We forget we used to be lost. Marion, Ohio. Anybody ever been to Marion, Ohio? I, I like it as a town. It has one, one little weird quirk. I'm not sure why they do this, but they have certain roads that are just one way. And it doesn't make any sense. But they're just, yeah, you don't. And many of them aren't even marked. You just have to know. And, and when we moved in town, you know, I'd be driving down this road and all of a sudden there'd be two cars headed right at me. I've got nowhere to go. And so I quit turning into a driveway. Wait for the cars to go back. And it, it took us a year and a half to figure out which roads we were allowed to go down this way and which ones we weren't. And the people that we, we encountered, they always did the same thing. I'd be driving up a road, and all of a sudden, there's a car coming the other direction, and they're in my lane, and it's like, sometimes I would just stop. Like, dude, go around. And they'd go around, but it was always animated. Like, you idiot. I knew we had arrived when we started doing that. We'd go up the one-way road, and there'd be, well, that's my clerk. <laughs> God's not called us to be that. We're called to be a people that not only don't even have any rocks in our hands, we don't want to pick up any rocks. I know you can scare literally the hell out of people by talking about sin. I'm not sure you can scare the love of God into a heart. And we forget the scripture that says we love God because he first loved us. Sin is sin. Some of you would, if you knew our lifestyle, you would call us so old school it's not funny. We just, we're particular about what we watch or about where we go, about what we say, about what we do. But that's not in an attempt to earn our way into heaven. It's because we know how good he is. And those things offend him. And, and so because they offend him and we love him, we, we don't do that stuff anymore. But we got to quit. And, and we're not called to be a people who are judgmental of others. I don't know your struggle, but I can love you without judging you. I can pray for her. 
I can walk alongside her. I can believe in her. I can speak life into her. Amen? Uh, God's not called us to be hypocrites. You know what? The Bible says to everything there is a season. I can tell you something with absolute certainty. We as a church will dramatically impact Streetsboro, Ohio. Amen. Can I tell you when the time is for that? When we first impacted this. Here's a simple biblical truth that some people have forgotten. You can't give what you don't have. It's like writing a check. I could write you a check for a million dollars. Good luck cashing it. (laughs) And some people think that advancing the kingdom is just write the check. Peter and John said to the man at the gate, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have will give to you. We can't give away what we don't have. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? And so where, where are we at as a church right now? We're never going to be perfect. But there needs to be a core following of believers that, that we have it. Perfect? No. But we have it. We treat each other with love and respect. We have our lives under control. Self-control is a gift of, is a fruit of the Spirit. Amen? You lose your cool on Saturday night and you blow up. You can stand and declare over streets for all you want. You're not doing anything. And so where's God have us as a people? Right here. Let's, let's fix us. Not me fix Tina. Not me fix Robin. Not me fix... I'm not here to fix you. You work on you, I'll work on me. Is that a deal? And, and I, I view my role as a, as a minister, not a look what I know and you need to know it too. It's, it's more like look what I found. I want to share this with you. As a fellow traveler through the, through the path of life who has these two goals in mind, I want to go to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, we're going to get along great. Because I want to go to heaven. And if you want to go, we're going to get along fine. If you want to take other people with you, man, we're a team. Who's God called us to be? He's called us to be real. I'd rather be a real mess than a perfect fake. I would rather. Real. Real. Genuine. Flawed, but genuine. I, I like to used to watch an old show called Antiques Roadshow. Anybody ever? They had one of those episodes that was just a real story of human nature. This this couple, older couple, had bought this, I don't know, furniture, but it's just a big piece of furniture. And and she had spent, they had spent like ten grand on this thing at an antique store, and her husband thought it was garbage. And so they had it on Antiques Roadshow so they could find out what it's worth. And the guy said, you have an American original here. This thing was made. I mean, the thing went back to the 1700s. And, and he said, how much did you pay for it? And she said, $12,000. Oh, my gosh, you have no idea what you have here. And she just looked at her husband with that look, you know, and he kind of, she goes, he didn't think it was worth anything, but I knew what I was talking about. And so... You know, they want, and so he went on to talk about it, and he said, now, this, this finish doesn't look original. And she goes, yeah. And he even gave me fits about that. She said, but I took it to a guy, and I had him refinish it. She, spent it, she said, it cost me another $8,000 to have it refinished. And she said, he was having fits about it, but I know my antiques. The guy says, okay. Let me, so he told her a little bit more about it. He said, now let me tell you this. When you bought it for 12, you got a great deal. 
And with the original finish on it, it was worth $270,000. And she's like, he goes, but the 8000 you spent to get it refinished, it's now worth I'd rather be a flawed original than refinished and be fake. Amen. What's God called us to be? He's called us to be genuine people. He's called us to be a people of compassion. When I'm so aware of my own failures and my own sin, I have a hard time judging you. He that is without sin cast the first stone. I will never have the right to even pick it up. kind of people has he called us to be? He called us to be genuine, compassionate, passionate, passionate. We should be passionate. I don't believe that God should be part of your life. I believe that God ought to be our, in him we live and move and have our being. And yet I know all too well that's been a long journey and I'm not there yet. I can honestly say you, Jesus Christ is a bigger part of my life now than he's ever been. He's more a part of my life than he was just two years ago. Or four, or six, or eight. And and you know what? I should be big enough, and we need to be big enough to accept that this guy or that one may not be at the same place in the journey we are, but forget that we used to be there one time. And I've never found it to be true that knocking somebody down helps them along their journey. Who we call to be genuine, a people with passion. Passion can be displayed in many ways. One of the ways I, somebody would ask the question, who's more passionate in the race, the tortoise or the hare? I don't know who's more passionate. I know the tortoise won. The hare had spits and starts and fast, but you know what? At the end of the day, the tortoise won the race. He had enough passion. I used to run, I know you don't look at me and believe this, but I I ran cross country in high school. That's a little over two miles back when I was in school. And and man, just to finish that, we were so committed to it. I was never any good, so I'm not bragging. But we were so committed to it, we ran six miles before school started in the morning. We met at the school at 4.30 in the morning. We put in six miles before school. And then we had practice after school. And Man, I, you know, you build up the ability and the stamina to run and run and run. I used to just love running. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> no, I don't run much anymore. It frightens people. Okay? It scares children. When it came to track in the spring, I ran the two miles. I'll never forget as long as I live. Just before meet, my coach comes to me and says, Mike, i got a problem. We're missing a miler, and I really need you to run the mile. i got somebody else going to run the two. Can you run the one mile for me today? I felt sorry for these guys. These guys only run a mile. I run two miles. This is half the distance. This is going to be fun. I got up in the starting blocks. I looked down at them guys, and they're all grinning. I thought, you poor guys, you don't stand a chance. I'm a two-miler. Gun goes off. I take off. Instantly, I'm in the lead. I'm like, this is so easy. I mean, I even got Rocky's theme playing in my head, okay? And I'm I'm running, and, and I finished the first lap. I'm so fast and so far ahead. I finished my first lap. And I could see out of the corner of my eye guys on the other side just going into the third turn. And I'm thinking, this is going to be embarrassing for them. And, man, I'm flying through the second lap. And I'm getting to the point where I'm like 20 yards behind catching up to the guy who's at the end of the I'm thinking, these poor guys, they never stood a chance. And then something awful happened. I had two more laps to go. And it's like, You know, they talk about hitting the wall. I hit the wall, man. The wall hit me. 
All of a sudden, I couldn't suck enough air. I couldn't breathe, and I'm slowing down, and one person after another is passing me, and I'm getting slower and slower. I'm not kidding you. They had to hold up the meat for me to finish my fourth lap. Okay? It was just... (laughs) There wasn't a hole big enough for me to crawl in. Passion is we're committed. We talked this morning before prayer, in prayer. Sometimes you'll get weary in well-doing. But don't quit. Keep going, amen? Who's God called us to be? He's called us to be a people of compassion, people of genuineness, a people that worship Him, who, who openly, honestly worship Him for who He is, not for what He does. Because i got this crazy idea that God's not as interested in what you can do for Him. Just stick with me for a moment. This is the God who spoke universes into existence by the words out of His mouth. Galaxy, B, boom, there's a galaxy. Light. Let there be light, and there's light. And He needs you and I to do what? That's like Bill Gates coming up and saying, can I borrow a few pennies? Serious, dude? You really, th- you really think, can, can I tell you, I'm, I'm not sure there's any greater a display of pride than to think that God needs you or me. Wow, really? You complete him, John. <laughs> Come on, dude. He loves all of us. He doesn't need us to do anything. The greatest thing that God is looking for in His people is not what we do. It's who we are. Because why we do what we do to God is more important than what we do. Let me just put it to you this way. If I do for you so that you will do for me, then what I did for you, I really did for myself. And if I do for God, so that God will do for me. And what I've really done for God, I've done for myself. Is this making sense? I ought to just do for God because I love Him. No more than that. I love Him. If He does nothing back in return, if He doesn't bless me, I love Him. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where are we going? I believe that God is trying to plant a church here that sees him as a God who knows no limits. He is a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that understands. He's a God that forgives. He's a God who calls us out of sin. He's a God that refuses to be boxed into a building or an altar service, or a time slot. He's a God who will show himself one way through John, and a different way through Tina, and a different way through Mindy, yet all of them line up with the Word of God. Amen? And and we celebrate that. We celebrate who John is. And we celebrate Wanda, and we celebrate her, who she is, and and the giftings that she has. And, And the ministry is not what takes place Up here, the ministry is what takes place out there. This is making sense? Core value that we have is you're not here to support our ministry. Every time I hear a preacher say that, my, my socks roll up and down my legs. How demeaning. John, your role here is to support my ministry. 
You need to give to my ministry. The scripture says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints for their work, the work in the ministry. You want to know what our ministry is? You. You're our ministry. Seeing John find out who he is in God and being used of God, that's our ministry. Seeing Gary find out who he is in God and coming into a relationship with God and falling in love with God and then being used of God, that's our ministry. Now, I've been, I've been asked this. My wife and I have been blessed to many different opportunities. One of the greatest, most fulfilling services we have ever been in to date was on a Sunday night in the church that we pastored. And I don't know how many people got saved that night, Adam. I know a number of people got saved. I know a number of people got filled with the Holy Ghost. I know a number of people got delivered that night. All up around the altars. And me and Gail Bath didn't pray for a single one of those people. Isn't that great? People we had seen one to the Lord and had nurtured and mentored, and they're praying for people to get saved, and, and they're mentoring. And Wow. Went back to hold a, a revival at a small little church and had held a revival there eight or nine years earlier, and came back to that church to hold the revival. And before the first night started, this lady came up to me, and she was pretty nondescript. She didn't stand out. And she was just grinning ear to ear, and she said, Pastor Rice, do you remember me? I said, darling, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. She goes, do you remember when you held that revival here X number of years ago? I said, yeah. She goes, I got saved. During that revival, I said, I remember, now I remember somebody getting saved in that first night. She goes, let me tell you what's going on with me now. Shortly after that, I moved to West Virginia. I really poured myself into the word of God. She said, I'm pastoring a church now of over 100 people. And when I heard you were coming back for revival, I had to come back and tell you what happened to me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so our focus of ministry, who, where are we going as a church? We're not going to build up some man or woman's ministry. Because you're the ministry. Benny, you are. You are, darling. You are, Mary Ellen. You are. You're our ministry. When you succeed, it warms our heart. Nothing does it like that. And when you have that attitude, that's not a stage. platform. A stage is where a performance is put on. And if we're not careful, we'll get... I've been there in my life as a Christian where it just felt good to just come to church, sit there, and watch somebody else do their thing. And they were good at their thing. But I left unchanged. I could check my mental box, went to church today, no more guilt. But I left unchanged. That's why I don't refer to that as a stage. It's a platform. This last day move of God will not happen on a platform. It'll happen in a body of believers. It'll be when each of us catch the vision that God has for us. So in closing, that scripture we read says this. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Wait for it. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to wait? They that wait upon the Lord get renewed. But man, is it hard to wait. Sometimes even those well-meaning around us can make it hard to wait. Dude, you ought to be doing something. I am doing something. I'm praying. I'm waiting. No, 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 you got to do something. I know I need to do something. But right now, 
deceive them. Might, might want to let you know we haven't planted our garden yet. Because guess what? Not deceive them. And to everything, to everything, everything, there is a season. Everything. So Nicodemus came up to Jesus. He's one of the smartest people in the land. And Jesus said, you know what, dude, you are so smart, but you are so dumb. Because you can tell me this and you can tell me that, but you can't even tell me the season it is. And everything, everything has a season. And I, 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 just, I just realized something that happened in our life years ago, and I've shared it at a time or two here. I just understand the reason for it. My wife and I were traveling up through Canada, and we just wanted to see what Canada looked like. We'd gone to see Niagara Falls, and we're in Canada, and pull up to a traffic light, and we're in the right-hand lane, and there's a, 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 it's a pretty big intersection. There's another lane next to us, and the light turns green. And when the light turns green, it would tell you that's the season to go. The time to go. Something in me wouldn't let me go. I'm looking at the light, and I know it's green, and I know I'm supposed to go. And I see the car next to me take off, and he starts to move. The car behind us beeps like, duh, go. <laughs> and I turned to her and asked, probably the dumbest question I've ever asked her. I said, why aren't I going? And literally, as she prepares to answer that question, we hear the most horrible crash happen in front of us. And the car that was to our left, that went when the light turned green, got out in the middle of the intersection, and was hit by a car coming from this direction. They must have been doing 60 miles an hour. And the old man in that car got killed. That would have been us. That would have been her side of the car. And you can do the right thing at the wrong time. And it become the wrong thing. So where are we going? We're going after God. Going after him. Getting him. Waiting on him. It's not my vision. He invaded my life with this vision. It's his vision. He's not called me to wait, make it happen. He's called me to wait for it. Waiting is trust. When everything around me was saying, go, go, go. Holy Spirit of God was just saying, be still, just chill, just chill. Where are we going? We're going to be a church that can, we can have a, a rank sinner sitting right next to a Holy Ghost fire baptized prophet of God. And that sinner feel comfortable. See, that just irritated somebody when I said that. Be comfortable. Because the Bible says that Jesus was the friend of sinners. You don't water down the gospel to make anybody comfortable. How you make them comfortable is you preach the truth, the whole truth, but you do it without any stones in your hand. Does that make sense? And, and you... And I'll, I'll close it with this, and then we're going to go into worship. We had a lady who was deeply, I've told this story before, but somebody needs to hear it, who was deeply involved with the occult. She, she traveled around this part of the state. She could draw a bigger crowd to come hear her teach on the occult than, than I can draw right now. But she'd come occasionally when we would be in, in that area, and she'd sit in the back of the building. And she would just sit back there through the service and just cry. Engaged her one time after service, and I said, she'd already, I already knew her story, I knew all about her. And, and she just standing there crying, and I shook her hand, and I said, it was good to have you here. 
I said, why are you even here? She said, I don't believe a word you say. You understand me? I don't believe a word you say. She says, but I feel something here. I can't get anywhere else in my life. And I need that. That's who God has called us to be. That you get so full of him. That it just comes out. Are you with me? That, that you don't have to throw a stone at him. You hug his neck. There but for the grace of God go you. I know you're not a sinner, but I'm just... You kind of look like one this morning. But, uh, but you don't win him by hitting him in the forehead with a rock. As Jesus sat at that last, what we call the Last Supper, and said, one of you will betray me. And they were all shocked. Who, Lord, who? Is it me? Is it, who is it? Is it him? Who is it? Who is it? Who will do that? It's almost like Jesus said, listen, guys, it will surprise you. It's not going to be somebody down at that end of the table. They're dipping their tortilla chip in the same salsa bowl I am. They're dipping their bread in the same wine that I dip mine in. Judas was comfortable with Jesus right there. Even though he had major issues in his heart. Are you with me? That's who God's called us to be. That's where we're headed. Be a people who have no stones. In fact, not only don't have any stones on our hand, we have no desire to pick up stones. That the greatest thing we can do for Streetsboro and this nation and this world is not what we do, it's who we become. Because if we start declaring what we don't have, we become nothing more than loud hypocrites. Let's get it first. Would you stand with me as we get prepared to go to the Lord and worship this morning? Lord, we just want to honor you. We, we just want to bless you, God. We just want to lift you up these next few minutes and worship God. We just want to just lay aside every distraction. And put our hearts and our focus on you this morning. If you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to come on up the front as we worship. If you have need for prayer in anything... Thank you for listening to our podcast today. For more information, go to www.godenc.com.